Moonies. Welcome to the Sailor Moon Fan Club podcast. I'm your host, Victoria L. Johnson, and I'm here with Don. She's one of the founding members of Danny DeCane, a member of the trio Diddy Dirty Money. She also owns Papa's Heads, aka New Orleans' first eco-friendly sensory experience, and she's a part of the Adult Swim Singles Initiative. And I'm super hyped to have her on the podcast. Thank you so much for being on here. How are you doing? I'm doing good and happy to be here. That was a really awesome intro, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just, like, reading through all of your bios, and I was like, she's doing so many amazing things. I need to just list everything that I can. That's because, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I ask everyone, since this is the Sailor Moon Band Club podcast, is what's your first memory of watching Sailor Moon? Man, I had to be, dang, I had to be in my teens, like, I feel like I was early teens and I was I was I was over the moon that these bomb girls were like fighting crime in like like school wear and it threw me for a loop at first because I was like you know I went to private school my whole life and so like I don't know just I was already a fan of anime culture and just literally from kawaii culture to, to anime culture I was already drawing at that level like when I was Maybe when I was 12 or 13, I got introduced to Bleach. And so I was already animating. But then the idea of these kick-ass girls walking around just kicking ass and taking names, but also in in preppy outfits were, like, next level. And then to find out that they were, like, from other planets, they were named from different planets, I just felt like they were on my wavelength. And I had not seen anything like that. Everything we were watching in anime that was coming over in the States was mostly male-driven. Right. So it was one of those, like, a lot of the anime, like I said, like, I loved Bleach. A lot of the stuff that I was watching, you know, was heavily male. And then here come this, you know, here comes this incredible, you know, animation that was finally showing and syndicated on the national television in the U.S. And it was women. Mm-hmm. And it was girls. And it was a group of them. Not one or two, but, like, you know, these girls named after the planets kicking ass. And I just, that was the first time I was jarred into wanting to draw female characters. Um, and also, like, having an affinity for wanting to come home and, like, see every every fucking episode. Right. Yeah. I can definitely <laughs> like, relate to that. that. Was, yeah. Like, that, to the point where you were, you know, I, had my, I already had my uniform. So, like, I would come home. And, you know, it's Catholic out here. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, it's, like, super strict. So, when I come home, I roll that skirt up, get those <laughs> hairs and that pigtails, and let's get it. You know, like, that was the, you know, that was the the thing for me and I remember the first time I saw it being like yes like finally like girls kicking ass and taking names yes yes did you have a favorite sailor scout man Mars all day like Ray like she yeah she's amazing to me um and you know like again Ray Hino well she's Ray Hino that's her her name but you know she's the princess of Mars but but um Again, I'm a Leo, so the fact that she can control fire, the fact that she can get water, evil spirits, like, I don't know, I just related to her on a whole nother level. Um, and I also liked her, her past history, but, again, anything that's fire, that controls fire, she had a darkness to her, a quietness to her, a mis- a mis- like, a, everyone always wanted to be sailor, and I always felt like Mars had this mystery about her, even her dark hair, like, I don't know, I just kind of related to her more usually when the girls are the more quieter ones that have like a lot of fire in them to me that like even when I look at comics and I love like I would gravitate toward Phoenix like Jean Grey like Mm. to me to me Sailor Sailor Mars was 
she was a, a soldier to me that I could relate to. Yeah, yeah. Sailor Moon was awesome. Um, I was your favorite. My favorite was Sailor Moon. Of course. Yeah, I of mean, course. yeah. But I also just, like, identified with her as, like, being, like, very, um, kind of like a crybaby a little bit. Also, like, just not yeah, the perfect brat. person, but also. She's kind of a brat. Yeah. yeah, she's a little bit of brat. But, like, that, that, like, duality of, like, not being perfect, but also being, like, the chosen one. Like, oh, like, you still have, like, all this responsibility and you still have to, like, figure it out, even if you, like, don't have the right skill set to do it. Right. For, you know. Right. Yeah. Love that. But thank you for asking. Not everyone does. No, of course. <laughs> I want to know, too. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I saw that you tweeted, um, this is how I forgot you were a Sailor Moon fan, you tweeted that if there was ever a live-action Sailor Moon movie, you would want to be cast. So would Sailor oh, Mars yeah. be the one you would want to be cast as? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. here's the thing. I think women of color need to be definitely approached and picked for these things because I don't know. I just I feel like sometimes we get counted out, especially in anime culture, when really, you know, even though there aren't a lot of people of color in initiated as heroes, there are they are there. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I would love I would love to put some color to that to that aesthetic, and I would be Mars all day. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Really yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. I would love to do that. I hope they do a live action. Me too. <laughs> so I also read that Danny D. Kane was based on an anime character that you created. Um, yes. How yeah. Did, yeah. How did that happen? In high school, uh, my art teacher asked us to draw, like, I was really, like, I was, I was an extrovert in high school, but I wasn't. I was, like, I could get along with everyone, but I would rather have been to myself. And so, like, I felt like the artistic side of me was quite quiet, mm-hmm. um, and I had a really awesome art teacher, and she understood that, and so we were drawing a lot of, she wanted us to draw our alter egos, and I was having a battle within myself of just really, you know, like, not always feeling like I was bigger than, I felt like I was, there was more to me, but I didn't really get an opportunity to express that. And so I really connected with that. And so I drew this really awesome character. Her name was Danity King. Don't ask me why I came up with that name <laughs> at the time. But I love the idea of the DK. And um, I love the way it looks visually. When you draw the dynamic of lettering, mm-hmm. um, my grandfather had, like, has been painting his whole life. Um, he even paints signs for uh, all of the Mardi Gras, for the Zulu parades. So he's always done that. And so I used to grow up around him painting signs. And the aesthetic of lettering has always been something of a, a you know, calligraphy has always been something of a, um, a guilty pleasure of mine. And Danity Kane visually looked really cool when I was drawing the lines of when I created the character. But she was this bomb-ass redhead, um, chocolatey brown superhero. And the cool thing was, again, being a Leo, fire with her aesthetic, her eyes, everything was in the eyes. Um, so lo and behold, when... Puff was asking us what we wanted to name ourselves. I don't know. I just I went back to all the groups that I loved growing. You know, like when I when I was growing up, my music. I loved Bjork. I loved Portishead. Um, I was fans of Case Choice, uh, Biff Naked. These are all rock bands with incredible. The Cranberries with great, great names. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like it'd be really cool if a pop group had a name that wasn't so fucking cliche or like any other <laughs> pop band. Because yeah. you know, when you're R and B and pop, you have names like you know. Kindred Love and you know Puff wanted to call us Queen Five and I was just like why can't we be like a rock band like why can't we be like the Rolling Stones or Hoobastank 
or like Aphex Twin and have like a really fucking cool name that just doesn't even mean anything. And like it, you know, and I said, well, I, you know, drew this character once, you guys, we could be like a super, you know, hero character from a fucking anime name and just blow people completely left. And they all looked at me like, mm. <laughs> and then it, it kept sticking. It kept sticking. And then, you know, we were looking for other names and nothing really had the same ring to it. And lo and behold, I think we were ahead of our time at the time when we were out anime wasn't as popular here like people it was it was very cultish and it wasn't a mainstream thing and black culture wasn't really you know like we were present in anime culture and in the hubs of our corners of our little sections but like it wasn't mainstream like it is now where you see a lot of you know mainstream artists using anime in their music videos and on their default pictures and when we were doing it we were not cool it was something that you know you know if you was caught if you were cosplaying it was like you know, you was doing that in the corner, you know, your house because nobody wanted you, you know, to know that because they weren't really aware of what that was. So it was really cool for Danny Kane at that time because I think we were a bit ahead of our time because we were already addressing the culture of anime in a time where I think, you know, it wasn't as mainstream as it is now. Yeah, definitely. It's gotten super popular with the Man, Exactly, Michael B. Jordan, Netflix, all these, and Meg, Meg Thee Stallion now, because she, lo- she, you know, she loved it, and so now because Megan Thee Stallion is showing people that, like, fine-ass girls can love anime, you know, it's becoming more and more of a popular thing, which I think is really cool, because it shows that black culture, and not just black culture, but, you know, us, we, we as a culture, women and black women, have um, been a part of this culture for so long, but, you know, we've had to kind of been, you know, like, pushed away from it because no one thought that there was even a lane for us there. Even when me working with Adult Swim, um, you know, they're learning more and more that there are a lot of black animators and a lot of black, you know, people who watch, you know, anime, anime and like love it. You know what I mean? So it's been really cool to see the evolution of it in urban culture and our culture and, and, and really in mainstream culture as well and pop culture. Right. Um, do you remember the character for the anime character that you made? Dory. Yeah, she was redhead. She was red. She okay. So yeah. she was, so she was. She had she out in her four. She was fourteen, fifteen. Her superpower was that she can turn into a phoenix. So she like that was she could like you know telekinesis physically, but she didn't know she had it. You know what I mean? So she she had a traumatic experience. She lost both her parents. Her parents were scientists, and lo and behold, like. They had a whole, it's kind of like Incredible Hulk, where, where she had a recessive gene that was in her that was triggered when her parents died. And lo and behold, she, you know, has this amazing voice, and she tries to be a singer. Um, and when she sings, she controls the entire, like, you know, the the people that are in front of her. And then the label that's trying to sign her is an evil label. Like, it was a whole thing. Like, and um, I did that with Igo, I, Igo Manga, which was a really cool, um, like, uh, sub company that uh did animation and did comic books and i was able to like facilitate that comic book which was really cool and we had like two editions that came out when we created it um that i'm really proud of i had no clue that something i created in high school would become this um like this household name (laughs) yeah that's amazing i didn't know that she's badass Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I have the pictures. I'll send them to you. Um, you can see what she looks like. She's really cool, but she's young, and she has red hair. It's like to her shoulder, um, and she's like a chocolatey brown girl. She's really great. Um, but she was beautiful. But she was also like, like again, you know, awkward. She didn't know what she had. She wasn't. She didn't know her capabilities, so she didn't even really. She wasn't like a cool chick. She was someone that was a little bit off kilter, quiet, but also a badass. 
Yeah, that's so cool. I definitely want to see all of those pictures. <laughs> see how yeah, she's I'll like, the comic book. Yeah, yeah. I need to read that like ASAP. Yeah, it was really good. I was really proud of it. It was a lot of work because mm-hmm. we were independent, and I go Mango was. Um, a smaller company so distribution and going to comic-con was a lot for us but at the time again like I said we were fairly new and it was a fairly new movement um, and I wanted to make sure that I worked with black uh, illustrators and female illustrators so that was really um, fun to do because even in the process of things I always wanted to make sure when I stepped out you know I stepped out like always pushing us forward you know so it was really cool to work with that company and it was really cool to get that comic out yeah, and then you also have been learning, or you learned how to animate as well. I saw with the yeah. and singles, and yeah. yeah, how's that process? I started out doing um, music with them, mm-hmm. uh, and I I had always wanted to work with adults. Any you know, like you grew up like loving everything, like when you're sneaking to watch it, because of course it's like not for children, but you're like wanting to do. It. I always thought adults was clever. Um, and I always wanted to work with them beyond just music. Uh, it just so happened when I went, you know, doing my underground music, doing more of my indie stuff, I was making music that Adult Swim was, like, primed for. Like, they loved everything that I was doing, and they reached out and said, we'd love for you to do a singles project. And I didn't want to, like, use my artistry as a musician to try to, like, fit bamboozle my way in. So I just wanted to develop a relationship with them. So for, like, the last two to three years, I was doing their music, I was developing really good relationships with them, giving them my music, and then, um, you know, learning to license with them. Because I owned all my music, they didn't really have to go through a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was easy to facilitate the masters, and they just found me easy to work with because I didn't have a label or anything. And then the fourth year, I worked with them and said, you know, guys, I draw, too. And they were like, yeah, okay. And I said, no, I really do. And I made a portfolio, and I said it to them, and they were like, oh, my God okay yeah you do (laughs) like let's start small and see what we could do and that turned into three years of working with them as an animator and I've been doing a lot of bumps with them um that have been aired on television I've done stuff for Rick and Morty I've done stuff for Venture Brothers I've done um stuff for Family Guy um and it's been really great and the cool thing is I get to also license my music as well so I'll play my music with uh the bumps that we do yeah that's so cool, too, because I feel like Cartoon Network bumps are, like, the most legendary ones. Like, especially so good. Tsunami and that music. Yes. Yeah. So good. So good. And so that was something that I, I'm very grateful to Adults on for. And, and we have a great relationship, and I, I'm rocking strong with them, and I've been rocking with them for now four years. Yeah. That is so dope. I love that. I'm not mad at that at all. So, yeah, not only am I doing the music but I'm also animating with them more and more and every time I don't just do it myself I try to collaborate with other um illustrators as well to make sure that you know we're sharing the wealth and nine times uh like literally every time I work with someone they're either female or, or a person of color wow that's so cool yeah I just I'm I just want to add that for adults because you know it's mm-hmm. they, they aren't they haven't been that you know like they have but it's slow and you know growing and I want to make sure that like you know if I can add to to that then I want to be able to push that forward for for adults one because I think that's important mm-hmm. yeah I think not a lot of people know that yeah mm-hmm. it's important yeah yeah so I'm really happy that they're uh, giving me the platform to be able to do that yeah speaking of women of color you also appeared on Insecure yay <laughs> <laughs> Which is really cool. Um, how was so that funny. experience? Yeah. So good. Issa hit me up and she was like, I know this is so random, but 
<laughs> like, I know you probably don't even want to play this because she's like, I know you really can sing really good. But she's like, we're looking for a girl that could like not like think like she can't sing. And like, we need her fast. Would you be willing to do it? And I was like, Issa, that is amazing. And yes, I would love to because I love comedy and I already know what I want to do. So she was like, okay, I'm going to let you do it. And sure enough, like, I went to the fitting, and I was I found these pants, and I was like, yes, Issa, I'm about to go off. And sure enough, they let me kind of freestyle and improv, and I act a fool. <laughs> it was so much fun because, you know, I got to, you know, make fun and not take it seriously, and it was so good. Um, and I was so happy to be a part of it. And I told her she needs to stop playing and make that character for real because I die every time. I see it, but um, that was a really cool moment, and the reason that came to be was because I had originally, I was asked to be licensed my my song Sands for the mm-hmm. finale of that episode of the um, season prior to that, um, and it went really well, and we, Issa has a big fan of Danny Kane, and we met, and I told her I was really happy with the things that she was doing, and if I could ever do something, you know, I would be open to doing it, and she gave me that opportunity, and it was so much fun. Um, I really fuck with what Issa is doing because she's consistently putting on, you know, indie artists. She's consistent, you know, I wanted to do more with indie culture. I really, I pitched a few things to her about doing an independent award show and I'm still pushing her to do it. She, she, at the time she was like, you know, they're not big enough yet, but I really, I've been trying to push the indie, the indie movement forward for a long time. And um, I'm really happy that she's on board to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope it grows and I hope she continues to push that agenda forward as much as I am. Yeah, that would be awesome. Are you mean like indie films, indie music, or like the whole no, indie scene? Like I wanted, no, I wanted an indie award show that was, I pitched that to Issa to do together. Like I wanted yeah. her to fund, help me fund it and, and finally get an independent award to give indie artists an opportunity to have an award show because we are not present and we're not looked, we're not celebrated in the mainstream culture as if, as it goes for award shows. We don't have a category. Right. We're not present. We have it on Billboard. There's independent, there's an independent charts on Billboard, but we don't, we don't have a, an award. You don't have it on the Grammys. You don't have it. In, you don't have it at Billboard. You don't have it in BET. You don't have it American Music. You don't. You, we're not. We're not presented there at all. That's so cool. I wanted to create a space where we would have an entire award show strictly based off of the independent artist yeah. in that's, all forms. That's such a good point too, because I feel like now more than ever, there's so many independent artists just because of the way the internet's set up. Like so many people can create music and put out music. But yeah. so many are not being celebrated either because yeah, you're you're celebrated. Like mm-hmm. for example, if you're in hip hop, you win, right? So mm-hmm. like you can be indie, like a Doja Cat. Uh, you can be indie and win because of streaming, and that's great. But again, you're being celebrated because you have now breached into the mainstream culture. Right. But there are also artists who are doing great at an indie level. Like who's the person that was the head of SoundCloud, right? And mm-hmm. and was the number one streaming artist on SoundCloud. That person may never we don't even know who that person is they're doing incredibly on soundcloud and killing it but because they have not breached the numbers it takes to be on billboard's main chart we'll never give them their due for what they really do until they breach that right so there's all these different there's like cd baby there's there's all these different really cool there's TuneCore. there's distro there's all these really cool like online avenues tiktok and you know patreon where -hmm. there's like incredible you know places of people doing great things but they're not celebrated beyond you know what 
are, like what, yeah. what there is. They have it in different things like, you know, the Weeby Awards where certain people on YouTube and doing like really cool things with the internet, that which is a really incredible award show, but that's not for musicians. Yeah. That's a good point. So you got to really, or, or animators or illustrators or maybe indie directors who are assigned to agencies that are doing incredible things, making short films and the, like, you know, who's, they, there, there's a lack there. And I would, I was really pitching that with Issa to see if her and I could really create something um, monumental with that. Yeah, well, I hope you get to do it because that sounds amazing. I hope so too. I've been on her. I pitched it to <laughs> yeah. her, and she was like, "I, I can't really do this right now." And I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it's funny though because that's kind of what's happening, like with her character in the um in the show now. Now I'm realizing because she's going to block party to kind of like bring up indie artists and like spotlight them in the community. So. Isn't that interesting? It's on her mind. Mm-hmm. It's definitely on her mind. Mm-hmm. So hopefully mm-hmm. it happens. <laughs> and hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. And um, so speaking of that, though, I saw you are also going to be a judge on making the bands come back. Um, are you excited? What can you say about it? Yeah, I am. It sucks that the pandemic kind of stopped yeah. everything. So um, I, I, I hope that... Um, it can keep moving again. Um, so I'm interested to see how we'll use technology to like, you know, give some kids some chances because that's important. And I really would love to be a part of that journey with them, but it's fun. It was great being back with everyone. It was, I, you know, like nostalgic and kind of weird to be able to go from, you know, being in front of them to also now being the person judging mm-hmm. really interesting dynamic, but very grateful to see so much talent. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, like, how does it feel to, like, kind of see, like, oh, I was there, like, years ago, and, like, now I'm on the other side. Wild. So fucking wild. So crazy. So, like, and re- I just realized how much I had no idea what the fuck was happening. Like, I was mm-hmm. there in headlights, you know, and to see the same eyes. Um, I just want to be a, a, a kind of um, an olive branch to them because we didn't really have that. There was nobody saying, I look the bullshit like this is what it is and I would love to be that for them you know because it, it, you can get thrown into a a, a a pound of crazy and when you have judges that are so like you know the, those boys the, the, his sons are such they're already you know at a level and you know they're living a different life than what these kids are living you know and so I want it's always good to have someone to ground them and say you know keep them in the focus of things and um, I'm happy to be that. So it's, it's really cool to, like, kind of be, like, looking at them like, yo, I've been there. I've done that. You know what I mean? And and this is what you need to do for you. Because to me, it's beyond just the show. I want them to be okay even if they don't get picked. But I want them to be ready regardless. Because that was the conversation that I wish someone had to me, you know, that regardless, like, you can, you can, you can figure this shit out, you know. And that's kind of what I want to be. For them and for the show. Yeah. Um, and you're doing a lot, too. Um, you're also the owner of Papa Ted's. Papa Ted's! Yeah. I looked at all the <laughs> pictures, and I'm like, it just makes me drool because all the food looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm not going to even front. It is so, so good. Uh, I'm so proud of Papa Ted's. I, again, I've, I've been wanting to lift up my city for a long time. I went through Katrina. I was homeless. I lost everything. I lost the grandfather. His name was Theodore. We called him Papa Ted, and that's what I named the business after. Um, everyone knows my journey as a vegan. Um, my father was diagnosed with lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. He still has it. And um, veganism kind of saved us. And when he decided to, I told him I would do the diet with him if it got him better. Right. And it did. And I just stayed during the course. And in the midst of it, 
coming from New Orleans, I needed food to still taste good. I was going to die a slow, bland death when the food in the food world. And so I started, you know, trying things in the kitchen. And lo and behold, there was something that stuck. Um, this sandwich was really popular in the house. And before you know it, everyone was asking me to cook it. And then they were like, you should, yo, you should sell it. And as soon as I got home, I tried it and see how it worked. And it was a huge success. And so the recipe is my own. Um, we sell a vegan sandwich three different ways. And we also sell a sash ball, which is called a sash ball because our, our pink mustache is our logo. Mm-hmm. If everyone from New Orleans knows the snowball is like really popular in New Orleans and it's like best thing ever it is ice perfection mm-hmm. and we sell our organic version of it so everything around us Papa Ted's the entire business is eco-friendly and biodegradable which means when we have art we have art happening at all times from different local artists and we have people come and you know support the local artist so it's important that they put money into the local talent here and while they're painting or doing their art the, even the paint everything around them is eco-friendly and plant-based um, we have different local DJs that come spend while we're selling the food, and it becomes an event. And because of the p- pandemic, we've had to pivot. Um, and I've been lucky enough to partner with uh, one of our, like, most popular juiceries here. And we've been doing a delivery um, uh, a delivery service, which was really cool. I turned it around in a week. We had never delivered before. Um, and now we're delivering, and we've sold out every time. So it's been really, really cool. And I've been partnering up with different local artists to do different things. So I'll be working with another artist and doing a live stream so people can donate to the artist uh, via Papa Ted. So again, we are constantly doing outreach for the local community, but we're also trying to do it in a healthy way. So we are a sustainable sensory experience. Yeah, I am. I read up a little bit about it, and I saw, like, even, like, the packaging that the food comes Everything. In. Yeah. Yes, everything is, yeah, and the packaging, um, it's um, 1975 comic paper. Yeah. So yeah. it's vintage comic paper, and everything around it, everything from where you eat to where it's held in can be recycled. But not only that, it's quality. So, like, if you wanted to keep the paper, you could keep it and then maybe sell it in, like, 10 years and have some money in your hand and in the process but again the comics are owed to my culture what I love growing up I wanted to have a little bit of me within the branding right. um my grandfather was sweet but he was surly so I wanted to have a little bit of pop culture I wasn't you know I'm, I am a musician I am an artist and I wanted to incorporate that within the packaging of the of the brand and I also wanted people to know that you know being eco-friendly and being green doesn't have to be bland like everything that we see when we see recyclable is brown and green and you know when we think about something that's vegan and healthy it's one color and I wanted them to see I want people to see that there could be an artistic experience and it still make the earth better um and I don't want to lead with that that's just a happenstance so we don't push the agenda forward that we're vegan we want you to just taste the sandwich and see what you feel and then if it happens to be vegan then great if not you know, cool, but we really don't lead with, we're not throwing the veganism and the eco-friendly down your throat. We just want to create a space for you. It just so happens to be really, really good for you. Um, and in the process, you get to see some incredible art by some incredible locals in New Orleans. And our main goal and our main charity and what our mission is, is to constantly lift up the local artists in the community. So this was built for the creative of NOLA. Everyone's welcome, but it's to showcase you know, New Orleans in a in a really cool way, in an eco-friendly way, but also an opportunity for kids who may not afford to be able to go to Anoka because we only have one art school. We're in New Orleans. We're one of the most pre- renowned art 
cities in the world, and we only have one prestigious art school. Wow. And that bothers me um, to no end. Um, and so I just want to create a space for those who can't afford to go to NOCA, who can't, who didn't make the audition, but are incredibly talented. Um, I want to create a hub for them. And uh, that's what we've created, and it's been going really well. So I'm really proud of it. If you guys want to check it out, go to at Papa Ted's Truck on social media or go to papatedstruck.com and check out how really cool it is. It's really fun. And follow the pink mustache. Anytime you see a pink mustache, there's something fun happening. Oh, okay, that's good to know. Next time I'm in New Orleans, I'm going to look out for Come it. Come through. <laughs> yeah, come back. Yeah. I love New Orleans. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Such good people. Yeah. Such good people. We're a good place. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned the stash ball, which is kind of influenced by the um, snowball? Snow the snowball. Yeah, yeah the New okay. Orleans snowball. Yeah. It, right. But I also saw yeah. that you are of Haitian descent, which I am also. My mom is Haitian. Yes, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, A, what's your favorite Haitian food, and um, if you have any food at Papa Ted's that's influenced by Haitian food as well. I don't. And mm-hmm. you know what's crazy is, so my Haitian culture is so new. I didn't even know that my dad, um, like my dad and my family told me we were Haitian, but they didn't do our grandfather, our great-grandfather was killed in New Orleans because of South, if you were educated and you spoke a different language, mm-hmm. um, they were killed. And so my great, my great-great-grandfather didn't teach my my uh, grandfather French or Creole because of it. And so there was a lack of, like, teaching our culture and passing it down. And what I've learned is that I've had to, like, you know, reintroduce myself to my culture. So I haven't been, like, able to incorporate that within the Papa Ted's journey yet. But I have been eating Haitian food, and I will say, like, I don't have a favorite, but I I don't, like, and because I'm vegan, it's a very hard, mm-hmm. it's a very hard one, because Haitian food is very meaty. Right. Um, but I have tried legume. Is it legume? Oh, legume? legume? Yeah. Legume. Mm-hmm. And yummy. Before mm-hmm. I, like, before I turned vegan, like, so good. And I ate it when I was in Jacques Mel. Mm. Um, when I went to Haiti and that's like, I've never tasted anything that good, like authentic, beautiful. Um, but I'm again in New Orleans, sugarcane, because we had so many Haitian people that had came over, sugarcane is another big field here. And I thought that I had the best sugarcane here. And then I went to Haiti, no way, best sugarcane I've (laughs) ever had in my life. Oh my god, yeah. I still haven't been. I need to go. My mom is it's also so good. I've been I've been to Cape Haitian, I've been to Port au Prince, I've been to uh the Soleil, I've been to um uh and I've been to Jacques Mel, which is where my family is from. Jacques Mel is beautiful. Like Jacques Mel looks like the French Quarter. The downtown Jacques Mel looks like the French Quarter of New Orleans, which was wow. mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I really need to go. My mom is the same way. Your favorite food? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love well, I love Griot. <laughs> which is the best that's, yeah, that's so I can't do the pork, man. Yeah. I can't do it. That's yeah. the only thing. Um, I was like, I could give up pork except for that. <laughs> well, aqua is good. I like malanga. Malanga is great, but like, mm-hmm. um, it's, they call it aqua, but but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's so meaty. Yeah, it's a little meaty. I like Jean Jean too. The black rice. Jean Jean put up. Yeah, the, yeah. I, I like that. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still new and I'm still learning, and that's what I, that's what I had when I was out there. I've, ne- I've not had any Haitian food 
while here, while back home in the States, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to lie, in L.A., I'm not, I don't know, nobody's pointed me in that direction yet where the best Haitian restaurant is, but I know if I was in New York that right. somebody would get me together real fast. Definitely. Come to Brooklyn, get some Haitian food. Yeah, because <laughs> I've not been failed by any type of African or Caribbean food mm-hmm. in, in, in New York yet. Um, but in L.A., it's a bit difficult. Like, even just, like, I only have one or two great Ethiopian spots that I go to, but, like, I haven't found a really great Haitian spot in L.A. yet. They might be out there. I just, no one's really introduced that to me yet. They're really rare outside of New York, I've noticed. Even in New York, there's only a few. There's maybe right. like 10. It's crazy that it's mm-hmm. so, like, you have to go to Miami. Yeah, Miami. I'm from Miami. Like, yeah, because <laughs> that's where the Haitians is there, full yeah. out. Like, yeah, that's where the good stuff is. Yeah, but Definitely. again, I'm, 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 I'm like learning from scratch, and and I'm proud that I've had to do it on, you know, you know that I decided to do it, but I am doing it on my own, and so it has been a, you know, it's been a a journey to take your time to say, you know what, I'm gonna look into my roots. I'm gonna see what this is, who I am. Um, and I've had to teach my, you know, my parent, my dad you know, and say, Dad, this is, you know, a part of my life. Because our names are there, our heritage, my dad's, like, they went from Francois to being afraid. And that's a real thing, you know, in the South where you're afraid to, to be who you are because you're afraid that you'll be ostracized in, in our time during slavery and during that time in the 50s of, you know, drinking out of one fountain. My dad, our our family name went from Francois to Francisco to Frank. Um, and, and, and that was a hard thing. And so for the first time, my brother, his son is the first generation of Francois that we've had since the death of my great, great grandfather. So like just the level of like us learning again, who we are and loving who we are and having to teach us in ourselves. So it has been a beautiful journey, me learning my culture, me learning the, my background, what happened to us. And, um, it has been beautiful. Now in the times that I visit Haiti, I've seen, I've seen my family, that I see people that look like me, um, and I've seen, you know, just, I've seen New Orleans in a different light because of it, because we've had so many um, Haitians here in, culturally in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been beautiful to just relearn everything, and I'm very grateful to the Haitian community for even opening their, you know, them, their arms and being so kind and loving um with um, receiving me, like being, I've gone gone to Haiti through two different charities, where we've brought tech to the to the schools and to the females at the schools that in Cape Haitian, and like I really wanted to give back. The the first time I went, it was set up after, like just really trying to like be honest and genuine in my in my past, you know. Right. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing happened with me. If my mom didn't want to teach me Creole because. She was afraid of me getting ostracized because she was bullied when she was younger in the States. And it's just really sad how, like, that stopped it from, like, continuing on, you know. But I'm I'm trying to learn now, though. That's my one of my goals for the next few years. Well, you and I can learn together. Yeah. We'll try to learn together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to bring it back to Sailor Moon for a little bit. Or back, yeah. Um, so my, like, weirdish question is if, each Danny became member and Diddy oh my God. were a Taylor Scout, who would they be? Holy shit ball. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, dang. Okay. You say and Diddy? Yeah. Holy shit ball. I'll, I'll open it up to Sailor Moon characters if that makes it easier. Okay. Yeah. So. I say 
Shannon is Sailor Moon. Hmm. I'd say I'd say D Woods is Sailor Jupiter. Okay. I say Aubrey is Sailor Venus. No, I'd say Drea is Sailor Venus. I would be Sailor Mars. What is Aubrey? Aubrey would be Mercury. Okay. Puff is Tuxedo Mask all day. (laughs) (laughs) Every day, all day. That's that's my that's my that's my crew, and I'm sticking to it. I love it. Perfect. And do you have any other projects you're working on? I know you have a lot on your plate already, but right. that was a thousand projects. Right. Um, yeah, I have an album that's done. I it's already done. I have a whole uh album that I'm sitting on. Um but I'm waiting for a specific time to release it. Um, mm-hmm. because I want the story to be right, the and energy to be right, but um I'm really proud of this project. I think it's the best I've ever done. Um and uh I'm really excited to see what this release will be. So that's coming. I don't know when it is. I'm not really in a rush to put it out. I want the energy to be right when I do. And I also want the uh, visuals to be at a place because the visuals always matter to me. Um, the story has to make sense. And visually, I want people to receive it in a certain way. Um, but I do have an album that is done. Yeah. And, and that's going to be the next thing mm-hmm. that I'll be releasing. And in 2021, um, we have time. I have, you know, we have to we have postponed live performances, so I have to go on tour at some point right. when we're allowed to be out. Jazz Fest we were supposed to do this year that we are now doing next year. Adult Swim Fest I was supposed to do, so I'll be doing that next year as well. And I definitely want to go overseas and tour. Um, so that'll be in the forefront too, uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And he just released an album last year as well, New Breed. I did, New Breed, which is an old, a love letter in New Orleans, which mm-hmm. I'm very proud of. Um, I wanted to expose and talk about the, the Mardi Gras Indians because I'm a part of the tribe, the Washita Nation tribe with Chief Montana. And I wanted people to get an, a, a different view of New Orleans in a different way, more progressive, more electronic, but still um, very New Orleans. And um very proud of that album. And that's out right now, too, yeah. Yeah, great album. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And do you have any advice for any aspiring singers, um, artists, animators? Don't listen to anybody. <laughs> they, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Don't <laughs> listen to anyone's advice. Figure your shit out, and when you do it, do it exactly your way. That's my mm-hmm. two cents on it. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. They're throwing out just like everybody was trying to see what sticks. So don't feel bad, you know, wherever you are. Just commit to that shit and go. Would you say that for the future, um, making the band contestants too? Yeah, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. No one. But whatever you do, commit to that shit and own it. Right. And you'll be good. But don't believe that any of these motherfuckers know what they're doing. They don't. We're all just winging it. <laughs> making it up. Faking yeah. it and making it. That's yeah. exactly making it up as we go and then see what happens. Right. And, hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Yeah. So I don't know if the Sailor Moon version you saw had this, but there was a version in the 90s that came out. At the end of every episode, she would have, like, a Sailor Moon says phrase, and it'd be kind of like a PSA or kind of, like, sums up the message of the episode. Um, so if you had a PSA or, like, a your, like, final, like, thought, what would it be? So Sailor Dawn says. Sailor Dawn says, find out who you are and do that shit on purpose. Ooh. I love it. That's it. Yeah. 
Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Infinity and beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, that's, that's all I got. And where can people find you? You can find me at Dawn Rashard, D-A-W-N-R-I-C-H-A-R-D, on all social medias. It doesn't change. It's that all the way through. Mm-hmm. But you can call me Dawn because no one gets my last name right, except for if you're from New Orleans or Paris or Haiti. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, you can you can find my business at Papa Ted's Truck on all social media and the web papatedstruck.com. And if you're in New Orleans, come see us because we are excited to see you. And that's all of it. And find the pink sashes around there. Follow the pink mustache. Yes. Um, and You're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and, of course, I'm Victoria L. Johnson, a.k.a. Miss Old School on Twitter and Instagram. Miss Old School with a K. And you can find the podcast on Mooney's Club on Twitter and Mooney's underscore club on Instagram. And thank you for listening, Mooney. And thank you for being on the show. Bye. Oh.